Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. How's everyone doing tonight? All right. Well, just so you know, I have to be on my best behavior. I have both my father and my father-in-law over there right there watching me. So, But really, it's because my wife's between them, so I don't know. I might just go. Anyone else? Mike, can you come up here and preach? No. Elder prayer was about it. All right. Um, so uh, just wanted to remind you all that, um, that uh, tomorrow morning... Um, we are going to be baptizing seven people. Uh, I think it's three at the nine and four at the 11. And uh, so um, certainly don't have to, but if you are certainly invited to come back to one or both of those, and, and uh, we do it right at the beginning so you don't have to sit through the whole service if you want to just kind of join us and, and watch that. But either way, just be praying. Um, uh, any guests and visitors that are here and, and all of that. So it's, it's going to be a great day tomorrow. Um, as we, we look to uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, I want to invite, Kelly, why don't you come up here and help me out? you mind? You were just on vacation. You can help me. Come on. Where'd Elaine go? What am I supposed to do with this? Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? She thinks it's her platform up here. Come on up, come on up, come on up. I got my chain. Okay. Here, help me out. This is just an object lesson. I don't actually want to hurt you, right? Okay, so, Kelly, I want you to imagine that for many years you had these chains, right? And you were enslaved. I wasn't the slave owner, but you were enslaved. Couldn't go anywhere you wanted to go. Couldn't do anything you wanted to do, right? And I come along, and I'm like, I have the answer. You just need to take this chain off, right? And we take it off. It drops, and you're free. What? Here's the question. And you, I want you thinking about the same question. What are the percentages that with this chain over here, you free to go, you would say, nah, I want to pick this back up. Yeah, zero. Zero. Anyone say, ah, maybe I'd like the chain. I enjoyed that, right? Okay, so pretty obvious. I got one more for you. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Now, while you are enslaved, okay, that's for you, and let me show everyone else what she has, okay, a picture of a feast. Don't get anyone get hungry. You can eat dinner later, okay? And, and imagine that while you were enslaved, right, you were told, hey, someday you're going to be able to eat that. You just didn't really have, you had bread and water most of the time, right? But someday that feast is going to be yours, right? Now, I come along and say, Kelly, 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 in Pastor Bob's office over here, this feast is waiting for you, your family, friends, anyone you want to join, it is there, okay? What are the percentages you would say, you know what, Jamie, I kind of like my picture, and <laughs> eat the piece of paper, right? You got the feast. It's there. You can go enjoy it. You're going to say, take your picture, right? And have, and have it, right? All right, let's hear it for Kelly. Great job. High five. That was kind of a golf clap from some of you. That's not easy up here, you know, especially when I didn't tell her in the, uh, in, in beforehand. Um, so uh, really, I, I wanted to just picture that, those ridiculous examples that any time, that's what Paul's going to get at tonight, that any time that we who are free in Christ are tempted to go back to the way it was, 
is the same way. It's wanting to go back to the shadow land, back to slavery. When we are free, we have the feast. Why would we want the picture of the feast? Right? We have freedom. Why would we want the chains? Let's pray before we go to God's word. Lord, I thank you that you have brought us here. And I thank you that um, we can laugh, we can cry, we can hug, we can gather, we can sing. And Lord, it's all because of what you've done for us. And so Lord, I ask as um, other prayers have already been said tonight, but I ask as we look at your, your passage from Colossians that, that the truth of your word would resonate in each and every one of our minds and hearts. Your Holy Spirit would hover over us that you would help us to take seriously not what Jamie has to say, but what you have to say, Lord. I have nothing, but you have everything. So we humbly come before you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so um, we are in Colossians, if you're, uh, most of you aren't, but if you're visiting, we've been going just kind of week by week through Colossians. And so if you, we'll put it on the screen, but if you want to open up a Bible and follow along, it's Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. You know, here's how you know uh, that's where we're going to start. Last week, we stopped with chapter 2, verse 15. So there you go. Real complicated. Um, so, you know, as you, 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 you turn there or think about what we're going to be looking at, um, I, I do want to say off the bat, and I don't usually say, but it's, this is not the most fun topic. It's, I think it's an interesting topic. I'm not saying it's boring or anything like that. And it's certainly very important. But this is not a topic that, you know, if every week I was like, hey, what does Jamie want to preach to you? I probably wouldn't choose this very often, right? Just kind of going week from week and taking topics like some might do. That's one of the reasons, while sometimes topics are good to, to preach on, and we do do that, we try to stay going through books. There's a lot of good reasons for that, context being the best one. But the, one of the other good reasons is, is we look at texts that I might not choose, Right? Just because like, ah, and there's a reason, it's not because it's super controversial or anything like that. It's because if some of you, this might not be resonating right now. This, we're going to see kind of warnings about what this group in Colossae was doing and, and how that might connect to today. And some of you might not be, maybe you did in the past. You'd be like, okay, I remember when that happened. And, and, but what, what I want you to do is if that's not something you're going through right now, tuck it away right? Remember this because the time may come, especially our young people in the room, right? Because you, you haven't been at this super long, but times will come when you come up against groups that are, they're trying to get you, entice you to go back. And, and it is, but remember we had the pizza box illustration last week. It's empty. It's in, in vain, okay? So as we, if we look at, at verse 16, Paul just says, therefore, and we always want to know what the therefore is, Therefore, it connects. I'm hungry. Therefore, I'm going to eat. I'm tired. Therefore, I'm going to go to bed. Right? The therefore. So that means this statement that Paul's about to say right, connects back to what he just did say. We stopped last week because we don't have the time to go through the whole letter. But Paul didn't stop. It was seamless from 15 to 16. So I want you, as a reminder for those of you who were here last week, and, and, and to sum it up for those who, who missed it, is what he had just got through saying is that, that we uh, who are in Christ, that our old life of sin, you remember we had the nails out, right? Some of you saw the holes here for where you nailed something to the cross. Our old life of sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus. And then and Paul said, buried in baptism, 
right? So the baptism is a picture, we'll see tomorrow, a picture of your sin, your old life of sin, the slavery of sin, killed with Jesus, buried with Jesus, and it stays buried. Remember that? And you raise to new life. You have the freedom to walk in the newness of life in Christ, right? And we, we, we kind of ended with, therefore, there is, you do not have, you are freed from the condemnation of the sin. Whatever is in your past you're most ashamed of, if in Christ, that's been nailed to the cross, and it's, it's taken away, all of it. And so there's no condemnation. Not because you did anything, but because of what he did. And also the freedom of the power of sin for your future. Sin no longer has power. This doesn't mean you won't sin, but you now have the freedom to not sin, to live out your Christian life, the purpose that God gave you. And so that's the summary. So when Paul says, therefore, that's what he's referring to. Because that's true, you sin nailed to the cross, freed, right, in Christ. He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. All right, so we've been talking about this group. Colossae was doing great. Paul's here doing great. But this group was in vain, but like with persuading words, they're, they're doing something. They come to town, and, and, and what we find out is that they're, they're judging them, right? They're casting judgment based on arbitrary human ideas and thoughts. And they're puffed up with pride, as we'll see later. But they're very specifically passing judgment on things that they're doing and shouldn't be doing in their eyes, and things that they're not doing that they should be doing in their eyes. Okay? And so, who is this group? As we've been saying, reading Paul's letter is kind of like, listening to one side of a phone conversation. You can gain some information, but you just got to fill in the gaps. And so some think it was, there's certainly some Judaism, some uh, old law, Old Testament flavors to this group, but there's also perhaps some pagan Greek ideas from that culture, worldly things brought into. Um, I think there's a good, oper- my, my best guess is it's a good smashing and combination of all Christian ideas, Christian scriptures, Old Testament, Judaism uh, uh, things, and, and pagan Greek things as well. But the first thing they say is they say they're talking specifically about food and drink. And so that's why maybe it's the food, the Old Testament Jewish food laws, right? It was laid out during that time for a very specific purpose that things that Jews could not eat, right? But it it can't just be that because it includes drink. And really the Jewish food laws had no real issue with anything to drink. It was all about food. And so it's a combination of some kind. But, and, and, and these types of groups, whether it's the first century with Paul or today, they love focusing on food and drink. What you're eating, what you're not eating. You can't eat that. You can't drink that, right? All these things that are not actually in the Bible, right, or that Christ has fulfilled, and, and they, just, they just don't look at Scripture. If you... Um, you know, if, if you think back, Mark seven nineteen, Jesus said, Jesus declares that all foods are clean. 
Acts chapter 10, verse 15. It's after Peter, who still followed the Judaism food laws. He has a dream with all these foods he's not supposed to eat. I'll never eat those, right? And he's told, hey, 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 don't call common what God has made clean, right? Then Paul writes in Romans 14, 5 to 6, and, and I'll just summarize it for you. Whether you eat or you drink or you don't eat or you don't drink, the key is for the glory of the Lord. That's the key. All right? So it's not about like you can't eat. You can eat that beautiful filet. Just don't do it well done. That's not for the glory of God. All right? You just need to know that. Medium rare, it's about as far as you should go. All right? But whatever, you eat that for the glory of God. Right? You, you can have that glass of wine for the glory of God. You can eat, you are free in Christ. The food laws have been fulfilled. They had a purpose. They were the old shadow lands, right? They're no longer. Now, this does not, and we need to keep reiterating this, because Paul reiterated it, and Jesus did, and John did. We are not free to sin. Right? You are free to have that glass of wine or free not to, but you're not free to get drunk, right? You are, you are free, right, but not free to sin. You're free to not sin. That's the point of the Christian life. You used to not have any choice in your old life in the chains. Now you're free to walk in the newness of the Spirit. That means a life that, that John, the, the Apostle John in chapter 3 of his first letter, he says, if you're born of God, you will not practice sin. That doesn't mean you'll never sin. It means you won't practice it. It means ongoing, without any remorse, sin. That's not the life who is in Christ. If you're truly born of God, you are free. We're going to start seeing fruit in your life where you're not sinning. So that's not what Paul's worried about. He's worried about arbitrary, you know, arbitrary human uh, ideas. Don't eat that. Don't drink that. And then, of course, the things that he thinks that they, that they think the Colossian church should be doing. Right? And you, and you see, like, all these festivals, new moons, Sabbath festivals, yearly, monthly, weekly, rhythms of festivals. And again, could be talking about the Old Testament. Um, so they certainly had a lot that God gave them. But those were fulfilled in Christ. We have new things that we celebrate. But um, what, he, what they're telling them, they're condemning them, Paul says, uses the word condemn, because they're not doing these things, or at least to the satisfaction of this group who's decided that they are the judge over them. And Paul's like, no, no, no. You're free from that. Hey, you're, there is a good and right times to fast for the glory of God. And there's good and right times to feast for the glory of God. The point isn't, and, and there's good to celebrate festivals, and it's good to celebrate. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate uh, during Lent and during Advent and, and, and Holy Week, right? We celebrate these things. It's important. But if I came to you and said you're, you're wrong and somehow less spiritual to me because you didn't do this on Good Friday, now we have the problem, right? That, that the finger is getting pointed. So he continues in verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. To go backwards is to go back into the shadow. What does that mean? It means sort of a, that's why I did that with, with, uh, with Kelly in the picture. 
right? She had the picture. She had the shadow. All right, it's a hope. There is a reason for that. There is. This is coming. And so in the Old Testament, you had all of these things, Passover and all of these festivals, all of it was pointing to Christ. This is coming. And they didn't always grasp that. But they celebrated and they waited and they had the picture. They had the shadow. But now, Paul says, you're in Christ. You have the feast. You have the substance. Why would you want to go back to just looking at pictures when you have the feast? But that, that is his, the whole point. It's, it's going backwards to the way it was done as it pointed to Christ. And doing those things is living as if Christ never came. The Hebrews writer loved to, uh, really it was his whole point. We did one chapter in the spring. But his whole point of the book in Hebrews is, is he's telling these people, because they're reverting back to this Judaistic system. He's saying, why would you do that? Why would you bring animal sacrifices? That had its place, right? It showed a beautiful picture that we as, sinful, as, as human beings are sinful and God is holy. There was a curtain. You couldn't get through that curtain. That was the high priest and he had to be purified from sin. All these this different rituals and all this, God laid that out. It had its place. It was a picture. And then they would, they would bring a, a, a sacrifice, shed blood, right, that the high priest would bring so that their sins would be forgiven. And yet, he, the Hebrews writer is like, that had its place. It was a picture. It was a shadow. Right? It, it pointed to something. Jesus, as a spotless lamb, presented him as the perfect once and for all sacrifice for sins. After he died, rose, and ascended, he sat at the right hand of God. He's finished. Done. No more need for sacrifices. Why would you go back to that? The priests had a tremendous role in that. They mediated between a holy God behind the curtain and sinful man. No longer. When Jesus died, what happened to that curtain? <laughs> Ripped in two. So now anyone in Christ is called a priest. You can go into the presence of God. Why would you now bring someone to get between you and God? We have no need for the role of priest anymore. Because every believer, I mean, has the opportunity to pray directly to God in the name of Jesus because you're in Christ. So why would, why would we go back? It's like if, if um, uh, uh, imagine a woman named, we'll just call her Carol, and, and, and Carol had a really bad disease, and, and she needed really, really desperate treatments. And every Tuesday and Friday, Carol went, and pretty much an all-day process. And it was hard, and it was difficult, Right? But there were some good things on the way. She met some fellow patients. She met some nice nurses, some doctors. Some, so in the pain, there was some good in it, right? She maybe made some really close friends in that journey. But now I want you to imagine, right? Carol's healed. Her disease is gone. And so she's, she's free. And Carol says to you, uh, I think I'm going to still go for my treatments on Tuesday and Friday. There were some good people back there. You'd be like, Carol. And if your name's Carol, please don't take offense. Carol, you're, you're free. Go visit them if you want or get coffee and, with the friends you made, but don't go back to treatments that had its place. You're free. It's a shadow, a picture of what the ultimate reality coming is. The substance belongs to Christ. And so he, he, he goes um, in more detail in verse 18. Let no one disqualify you. We'll come back to that term because I like that. Insisting on aestheticism, 
That's just hurting you. Have you ever heard of someone who intentionally hurts themselves to try to earn something towards God? Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, he was a monk before that, and he used to starve himself. He would ex- uh, expose himself to extreme cold and heat because he thought, that's going to make me more righteous before God. Well, clearly, this group is like, that's what you need to do because you're going to get closer to the throne of God if you intentionally hurt yourself. He says, in worship of angels. So perhaps they were worshiping angels. Seems that it's pretty early on. So most think that it was something like this. They thought God is up there, but he's kind of distant. Angels are more personal. So I'm going to call on angels to come and help me with these different things and help me to grow closer to God. Again, another intermediary between me and God. And, and Paul's maybe being a little bit harsh saying, you know what you're really doing is worshiping angels here. We'll have to ask Paul someday. He says, you're going on in detail about visions Right? So putting great stock and having visions, which maybe got from the aestheticism, hurting yourself and the, and the calling on angels. And, 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 and you tell people, I've had this vision of God. And you must, right? Putting more stock in visions that, that, that people have had than the testimony of Christ himself. And then he says, puffed up without reason. By a sensuous mind. This is not the mind of Christ. This is the old mind of flesh because it puffs you up. Anyone who's going on about, I've hurt myself, I've called on angels, I had this vision, it's about you. It's not about Christ. If you're truly walking in Christ, you grow in humility, not puffed up pride. And so, um, this, that very, all of that stuff comes from that group that was going on in, in, the, in Colossae to that church. But I love that, as I said, that phrase, let no one disqualify you. That actually could be translated umpire. So when we think of an umpire, we might think of, there's umpires, I think, in tennis and other things, but I think baseball, right? So I want you to imagine that, that you're, uh, you're watching your favorite baseball team, and maybe that's your favorite major league team, maybe it's just your grandson playing baseball. And you're in the crowd, and that baseball team is playing great. They're getting hits, a couple home runs, they're running the bases well, good defense, pitching's great. They're playing the game excellently. You're cheering along the crowd. This is great, right? You're there, and out hops three or four dudes in, like, their own uh, self-made umpire outfits, and they come out like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're really not playing this game well at all. And the, the team stops. What do you mean? We're we're doing well. We got 10 runs. They only got two. No, no, no. You're doing it wrong. You're supposed to be running backwards around the bases. And every time you go around second, you got to sit down for five seconds before you can go to third. And, and they start just giving them all these other rules. And you as a fan are like, that's not baseball. They're doing great. But the team starts going, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe we are supposed. And they start getting really confused. This is Paul's vision of the church in Colossae. See, like they're doing great in Christ, but now this false teacher like, you can't eat that. You got to celebrate that. You, got, you don't have that kind of vision. And, and they're like, oh, maybe we missed something. And they're starting to feel embarrassed about our puny little Christianity that doesn't have all that other stuff. He says, let no one umpire you like that. He says that, that what's really happening, happening as he continues the sentence in verse 19 and the real issue here is they're not holding fast to the head. I don't need to get Andrew back up here. I won't. You guys remember the axe, Andrew, right? Without your head, you're dead. All right? Just remember that. And, and uh, the head is Christ, from whom the whole body. So now the body is us. It's any 
one in Christ. We're the body of Christ, the church. Nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Right? So this, that, that groups like this that do this kind of thing, whether it's Colossae or today or anywhere in between, right, throughout the, the church history, they always seem to end up cutting you off from Christ. They focus on foods and festivals and holidays and all these rules and stuff. Where's Jesus? Like, where is he? Where's the cross? Where's the resurrection? Oh, we talk about that at Easter. Like, no. Front and center should be Jesus. But for some reason, because they're really not interested in Jesus, they're interested in their man-made stuff and you living up to it. Right? And they also tend to disparage the church. They tend to, to cause conflict and problems. And so instead of being the body of Christ, community, knit together, like you're the hands and I'm the feet, don't ask to see them, it'll be bad, all right? I gotta clip my nails before the baptism tomorrow, someone remind me. But we're the body together. That's not me and you sitting there and cheering me on. We're together, but the head is Christ. He's saying they're, they've lost sight of who Jesus is, right? They've lost sight. And to kind of finish off his, his thought, we're just going 20 to 23. He says, if with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, we saw that last week, right? The powers that we, they're really earthly powers that we ascribe to. And these can also include earthly religions and, and philosophies. He says, why is if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Right? The, 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 the message for the Christian is the gospel. It's, it's the cross. It's, it's that you're forgiven in Christ. You have new freedom in Christ. He's like, why are you going back? Every other, and I'm, I mean, I've said this, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, and we'll continue to say it. Every other religion and every other philosophy on this planet that's ever been devised is a do-it religion and philosophy. Finding your way to God, finding your way to peace, finding your way to nirvana, finding your way to enlightenment, finding your way. You have to do it. You got to, whatever means it is, right? You, whatever is devised, is different kinds of things. And Christianity is the only thing, it's really not a religion. It is a done relationship. That Jesus has finished it for you. And now you're free. You're free. And what that means, free to love God and love one another. Paul says, why would you go back there? Why, if, if Christ died to these things, why would you go back there? He continues it. Referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings. Pharisees loved uh, to, to, to do this, right? To, if you read the, the Gospels, and they are always coming at Jesus because, not because he ever went after God's word, but he went after their traditions that they surrounded God's word with. And they loved their food stuff and their hands washing and all that stuff. And one time Jesus is like, you know what? Why are you so worried about food? You basically eat it and you expel it, right? He said it nicer than that. He's Jesus, right? But he's basically like, it's food. It's temporary. Fine. You eat, nourishes you, it's gone. You need more food. I want you worried about heavenly things, things that are eternal. And so Paul's really picking up on that whole concept. Like, why are you so concerned with, with all of these human precepts and teachings? And finally, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom. Oh, they sound so religious and lofty. 
They promote, what do they promote? Self-made religion, aestheticism, again, hurting yourself, and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. For all of your striving to get close to God, it always just leads you to frustration, anger, and you give up, and you actually end up more in the flesh than you ever were before. It's when you understand the grace of God in your life and walk in that mercy and grace new of every single morning, that's when you begin to live and find the forgiveness that only Christ can provide. Martin Luther, who I talked about earlier, he was a monk, and he and he hurt himself, extreme cold, heat, starvation, beat himself, hurt himself, all the time. You can read his testimony. He, taught, he talked his testimony a lot. And, and, and yet, it was finally, and he hated the idea of the righteousness of God because he knew he could never live up to it. He said that. I hated the righteousness of God. Luther was extreme. And, and so he wrestled with that and wrestled with it, and he was reading the, the book of Romans, and he finally understood grace. He understood you aren't going to do it. It's been done for you by God's own son. And so if you're here tonight and you're, you're looking for a religious path or you're looking for a ceremony or a rite to, to, to gain insight to God or grow closer to God, I can't offer that to you. What I can offer is an eternal rest, uh, relationship with the holy God because of his son, Jesus Christ. Even baptism, tomorrow morning, that's going to be great. Seven people in the water and out. I promise you this, and I don't think this is the case, otherwise I wouldn't be baptizing them. But if they are hoping that baptism is somehow going to save them, they're just going to get wet. It's a picture of their faith in Christ and their identification with the death, burial, and resurrection that they identify with Jesus. And so, um, before we go, like I said, it's not the most fun thing in the world. That was a group in Colossae, and we don't exactly know, as I said, what, what, what was going on there, but one of the good reasons, one of the good things about that is we can take elements of that. And groups like this, they exist today. I run it, I've spent over 15 years of full-time ministry, and I've run into these groups, and man, they're prideful, and it's usually someone who comes to church, or someone who knows someone, and suddenly they're, they're like, why do you do it this way? Why do you? And I'm like, this is the weirdest thing to be so fixed on. And we're not talking about major doctrines. We're talking about like what we call something or what. And it's, and it's crazy to me. But now I've realized, especially when you read this passage, this, is, this has been going on since Paul's day, right? This has always been the case where groups want to tear down and tear away using different things that we see in that, that group in Colossae. So let me give you a few of them. Number one, legalism. Groups that promote legalism. This is, um, legalism is not the truth of the word of God. It's groups that build out fences beyond it and expect you and I to live up to it. Not just for them personally. It's fine for you to have personal fences to guard you from sin. Beautiful and good thing. For you to ascribe that, that I have to do that, now becomes legalism. I mentioned the Pharisees. The Sabbath was a beautiful gift from God to rest and to give God glory and to feast and enjoy your family and not work. That's why God gave it to, to the people, right? I mean, Jesus said it was given to man. And the Pharisees turned it into a horrible burden with their many, many rules around following the Sabbath. That's legalism. I talk to older people who still come to church today and remember back in the day, and, and, and they say, Jamie, man, we, we, we weren't allowed to have a deck of cards in our house. 
You couldn't play go fish because it might lead you into rampant gambling. You couldn't go to a square dance because you might, it might lead to an illicit sexual affair. You couldn't go to a movie because I might watch something that's bad. You couldn't have a sip of wine because you might turn into a drunk. And, and so these rules were made. That's legalism. And what happens with this is it's a merry-go-round, exhaustive, and your faith becomes about following a list of rules. It's appealing at first because you're like, Jamie, I just need to know what to do and what not to do. Just give it to me black and white. And it's not that simple. It's like for me to tell you exactly what to do and not do in your marriage, right? I'd say, study your wife. Get to know her, your husband. Get to know him. Learn what, what he needs and what he likes. Like, that's what a relationship is. That's how it exists with Christ. Study Christ. Get to know him. Grow deeper in love with him. And then you'll grow in Christ. There isn't this, there is the truth of the word of God. Legal, don't ever say, you're getting legalistic with me. I can't watch pornography. Well, that's stupid. Looking at a, at a woman or, or a man in, in, in lust is clearly defined as sin. So, so no, sin is sin. But legalism is when the man-made created rules. And it's exhaustive. And it always turns into this, you've got to do this, you can't do that. And nothing's to the glory of the Lord anymore. Tied in with legalism is, 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 in, in kind of one leads to the other is the do-it-yourself religion. As I said earlier, that all other religions and philosophies are do it yourself. It ends up being a puffed up pride. I remember one time, um, really nice guy, he uh, visited our church once and I had a conversation with him after. He's like, hey, you seem to have a great church. Seems like great people, good things going on. I could never attend here. I'm like, oh, how come? You just don't have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit here. I said, you just said we're a good church. Like, you don't think there's Christians here? Oh, no, you got plenty of Christians. You just don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm like, every Christian isn't dwelt with the Holy Spirit, and therefore, if there is Christians here, there is the Spirit, right? But I knew what he was getting at. He came from a background where displays of, whether it's tongues or prayers or certain kinds of worship, that is an elite spirituality. Until you get there, you're sort of in the minor leagues, right? That's what I'm talking about. That's do it yourself. Now you've got to create experiences. You've got to create certain things to get closer to God. And it can happen on the other end. Are you, how are you dressed when you go to church? Right? Do you homeschool your kids? Do you send them to Christian school? Do you, right, that, that I'm better, right? And it's do it, do it, do it. What's the rule book? What do I have to do? What do I have to say? And two terrible things come out of this. Probably more than two, but I'm going to give you two. The first is it creates competition within the body of Christ, not togetherness like we're supposed to be. Not me cheering you on and saying, man, I know you struggle there. Let's go. You got No, because now we have rankings. And, and you gotta, you, you're trying to do it, do it, do it, and you realize I'm failing at this, so now I pretend, and I, I can't do it enough, but I just, if I just do it better than you, right? If I just do it better than you, now it turns into a game. And if you're competing against each other, you're certainly not going to help each other. And so the second thing that comes out of that is that, that we, we realize, oh my goodness, I can't do it. But I got to pretend. So I dress up and I, how you doing? Doing great? Yeah, yeah. And I'm faking and I'm not known by anybody. And nobody can help me at that point. But man, if you realize that's not the, how, the reality, you start to share. I'm struggling with this. This temptation, man, this week, it's getting me. Pray for me. Help me. Because you're not competing with me. We're competing together. 
for the glory of God. Do it yourself is again a merry-go-round, right? And it just leads to danger. Three, we saw in this group, experience-driven religion. I love experiences, and I've shared some, had some, tremendous experiences with God, seen visions, but it doesn't happen very often. So experiences are good as long as they point you to Christ and to wanting to go further in Christ. But if you're experience-driven, like puffed up, angels, visions, right, you're constantly after the next thing. As your pastor, I'm far, far less concerned with that great mountaintop experience you had at that retreat or at that church service or whatever it was. Praise God for that. I'm, you know what I'm worried about? Tuesday. You're like, uh-oh, what's Tuesday? You look back at your last Tuesday, some of you are like, I don't even remember, I don't remember what happened on Tuesday. That's my point. The mundane day where you wake up, you make coffee, you get the kids up, you go to school, you go to work, you mow your lawn, whatever you do in that day, in Christ. Freedom in Christ. How are you doing there? Because that is the Christian life. Praise God for the experiences he gives us. We need those to fill us up. But if you're living for experience-driven religion, you're going to keep hopping around and everyone's going to keep disappointing you, including God, until you give up. Or you'll start, start creating pretend experiences, emotional outbursts, because that's what you need to fill yourself. You don't. You need Jesus. Number four is any mediator, a danger, any mediator other than Christ. For them, it was angels. These types of groups, they always have human leaders. You need me to get close to God. Praise God for pastors, elders, leaders, teachers, counselors. They're a gift to us. The good ones are a gift to us. But you don't need any one of them to get to God because you have Jesus Christ. Let it never be said, you need Jamie to get to God. You do not. I pray that I help you and point you to Christ, but you if you know and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have access to him anytime, night or day. So don't let anyone, that's, that should be a warning. When someone says, hey, you need to follow me, you need to read this book, you need, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's Jesus? That should be your question. Where's Jesus? And lastly, these types of groups tend to drive us away from Christ and his church. They tend to, to, to focus on all those minor things where you lose Jesus, and they tend to cause competition, cause uh, the, that, that strife and hypocrisy, and cause division. And you're like, you know what? I don't even want to be in a church. What's the point? Everyone's so fake. Ever heard that before? You might even have said it. Everyone's so fake. But that's where this comes from. Instead, you should be invited into, into community, the body, knit together, raw. I'm not where I should be. Help me. Yes, neither am I. Help me. Let's do this. Let's join a group. Let's join that ministry team. And so I, I know some of you are already plugged in. If you're not, if you're a visitor from another church, continue to plug in your church. It's community. It's not a building you attend. And if you're here, we invite you to plug in here. Because the, 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 these types of things, they cause you to want to be able to, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm just going to sit over here. That's the enemy. You're invited in. If you're, you're invited into relationship with Christ and you're invited into community with his body. With his body. If you, uh, if, if you move away, let us help you to find 
a community that you, because it has to be manifested locally, right? You can't, can't attend a church that's in Arkansas. I mean, you can watch their online services, but that's about it, right? To plug in, it needs to be local. It always has been. And so we'll help you if you ever move away to Arkansas. I don't know why you would do that, but if you do, we will help you. Because what matters is you're plugged into the body of Christ. Don't be cut off from the head and from the body. All right, let's pray. As I pray, I, I want you to think about some of these areas. and Maybe one or two of them are threatening you right now. Father, I, I thank you for the stern warning from Paul hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago that is just as apt for us today. That's from you, God. Lord, I pray for anyone who hears feeling that tug of legalism, that rule book, that they would know you deeper, fellowship with you deeper. That they would feel the freedom, not to sin, to not sin, the freedom to, to eat or drink for the glory of God, to enjoy the glory of God. Lord, I pray you'd break the spirit of legalism. If anyone is here and just feels like you're an angry taskmaster type of God, that they would know the freedom and relationship that is who you are. Lord, I pray you'd kill anything that is threatening in us for do-it-yourself religion. That's, I need to do it. I need to work off my sin. I need to, God, kill that in us. It's pride. Lord, let us humbly come before you and know that you did it. You are at the right hand of the Father and that all we need to do, we're invited in to put our faith and trust in you alone. It's not about our performance. Thank you, God, it's not about our performance. It's about your grace. Lord, I pray that for anyone here is just always looking for the next experience or emotional satisfaction in their faith, Lord, that you would give them the beauties of the mundane Tuesdays and Mondays and Saturdays that, where they're just living out their Christian life wherever you have them and that they may take the joy in that. And, in, and Lord, that when you do give us experiences that we might point it to you. Thank you that we need no other mediator than you, Jesus, that, that you right now are interceding on our behalf, that my prayer is to the Father because you are giving it to him. That is powerful stuff, Lord. I pray that everyone here would remember that about you. And Lord, I pray that that anyone here who's not plugged into community or plugged in to, to where they can be known, that, that you'd show us our place, show us where to be and how to, how to plug in and not compete with others and not pretend with others, but to be real with others and establish real relationships where we can sharpen each other and drive each other as a community of faith more towards your throne of grace. God, it's for your glory. It's your glory that we sing and pray and preach and laugh and live. It's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus. We pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together.